This is Back to Debbie, a show brought to you by Campus to Ken. This podcast specializes in collegiate football players and their potential for future fantasy success in the NFL. I'm your host, Mike V. This is my co-host, Corey P. And this week, you're going to be listening to the actual Debbie debate. But first, Corey with the news. Yeah, so first we'll head on over to Colorado, where uh, transfer running back Alton McCaskill, he's going to actually be redshirting for the rest of the year. We did see him at a brief appearance for over the last couple of weeks, but looks like he's going to redshirt, so we'll see if we can he can kind of regain some Debbie value going into next year. Um, heading over to Ohio State, where running back Mayan Williams is done for the year. So this might just be the kind of push that Travion Henderson needs to kind of reassert himself as that maybe RB1 in this class, maybe RB2, depending on how you guys are feeling. But Tip Trainum has been okay, but this is going to be a nice shot for him to take over a lot more workload here going forward. Um, over to Washington, where wide receiver Jalen McMillan was finally good to go this past weekend until he aggravated his injury. This is the second time this year that he's aggravated that injury. It's just been a really unlucky year for him. I think he's trying to, you know, play to, to, to gain some traction in the NFL draft right now, but he's just having a hard time getting on there. It's probably just best for him to just sit on the, sit on the shelf a little bit and heal that up. Um, over to Wisconsin, a running back, Braylon Allen, got injured as well. Not a lot of reports coming out about his availability for this week, so you have to keep an eye on that. Uh, Clemson running back Will Shipley also had a concussion this weekend. Chances are he ain't going to play. So we get a good look at Phil Moffa potentially this past weekend or this upcoming weekend. Um, over to Texas, where quarterback Quinn Evers remains week to week. And by the sounds of that, that likely means that we're going to be seeing Malik Murphy start again uh, this following weekend. We'll get into him a little bit more after during our reactions, give you our thoughts on his past game. And then we've got Devontae Walker, UNC wide receiver, who's just had the worst luck this year between his his transfer and only playing a couple of games here before he suffers a pretty gnarly uh, upper body injury that was forcing him to go to the hospital, actually. He did return home with the team, thankfully. Um, he's going to be analyzed throughout the week. It sounds like it ended up better uh, than they originally thought um, with him going to the hospital and everything. So some good news there, but still something to watch out for. Um, and guys, be sure to head over to the website at campuscan.com where you can become a member with one of our many subscription options. Some of which include access to our drafts guides, our weekly CFF projections, our advanced metric tools, and the brand new C2C Winning Edge, which is a collaboration with the CFB Winning Edge to help bring you guys amazing in-depth work on school depth charts, statistical projections, returning production, game spread projections for all you betters. So make sure you guys are keeping it locked with the family of podcasts and the YouTube channel. And make sure you guys are checking out that morning show on the YouTube channel every Saturday morning on here uh, through the season to make sure you're catching the pre-show in the morning called the tailgate. Guys are going to be going through start sit questions, keeping guys up to date on all the news heading into the games, uh, going over betting tips as well. And me and Mike will be giving you a little Debbie preview every Saturday as well. So make sure you guys are keeping it locked with campus to Canton to help guide you guys through the rest of the season. All right. So, Hey, let's head on over to Texas, right? Uh, Malik Murphy here got his first star, right? His first audition on the big stage against, BYU, not really a tough opponent, you know. Uh, <laughs> watched on the tailgate, saw uh, I saw um, the bet that uh, Austin and Felix made. Obviously, Austin won that bet. Felix put the line way too hard, high from Malik Murphy, which is you know <laughs> Austin or Felix is out there batting for his guys. Um, but what do you think about Malik Murphy? Like, do you think he's a power five starter next year? 
Yeah, that's interesting. Like, like this was supposed to be kind of like his show, right? To put put on a show a little bit, and he's going to get a little bit more of a chance to go. And I don't want to put too much on his like first start here because, you know, does don't really know how much he's prepared for this moment. Hopefully, he's been pre- preparing uh, behind the scenes. But it it had its rough moments, I would say. Like, I I, don't, I know I'm sure you watched this game, but uh, definitely some nerves early. Like, you know, that first quarter interception he threw, like fading away, like backing up, like. He kind of settled down as the as the game went on, but he just made a lot of a lot of mistakes, especially under pressure that I found. Um, but you know, they made an easy game plan for him. I thought a ton of stuff around the line of scrimmage, especially in the second half when he settled down a little bit. You know, uh, just getting those easy completions, riding the running game a lot. Had that nice touchdown pass to Mitchell a little bit later that kind of helped him settle down a little bit. He put a lot of like air under it. It was a little bit late on it. Uh, he d- does have a little bit of a longer wind up as well. I found a lot of the times just the ball was taking forever to get there. Um, to me, it just seems like a really toolsy guy that is just not refined as a quarterback at all. Someone's still going to want to buy in on this. Um, but I'm just, uh, from what I saw, you know, he almost falls into like that KJJ bucket in a sense, where he's just a big rocket arm guy that I just, just didn't see a lot of refinement from. That is a power five starter who did get it some is. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm with you, though. I always thought he had a cannon for an arm. He's got great size, obviously. Um, I, some of the Texas receivers had some drops. I do remember seeing that. Like I thought, I can't remember who it was. I'm sure one of them was worthy, but I don't remember who it was specifically. <laughs> yeah, they had a few <laughs> drops where I was kind of like making my man look bad out there. Like he could do a little better. But I I'd also say they bait. I'd also say they bailed him out though. Like there was one, I remember one throw to Jatavion Sanders. He threw like across the field and just put like a ton of air under it. And he kind of grabbed it over yeah. a guy. Yeah, like you know. There was one where somebody had to get like really vertical, but he's like wide open in the middle of nowhere. Like it was like you yeah. You could have threw it a little better for him to get a little more yak on that. No, there was a ton of that in a sense. Like, not there wasn't a lot of good touch on the ball. There wasn't a lot of – it felt like he was trying to figure it out. Some of them had so much air. Some of them he was rifling. It's just like he was trying to figure it out a little bit. And I, I'm, I'm hoping we see a little more of a, a refinement next week. But, yeah, not the, not the greatest takeaway, I guess, for some of the hype that we saw out there. Not bad. I don't mind, like, the, J, the KJJ call either. He's young. He figured it out. But he's definitely – yeah. Like, obviously, we all think we agree that he transfers, but I think he could land power five. I really do believe that. I did. I was hoping at least to maybe see him run a little bit more. I don't think that's necessarily part of his game. I think he was even, like, labeled as a pocket passer. But I was just wondering if he was going to use that big body a little bit more. Even when they were in the red zone, when they were doing, like, some Wildcat stuff, they brought in Savion Red, old wide receiver. They changed to a running back. He ran the uh, Wildcat a little bit. Um, I, I think he ended up scoring a touchdown, too. But I was just kind of surprised they didn't decide to use Murphy there. But then again, you're down to, like, your second quarterback. Maybe you don't want to risk hurting him anymore and having to go to your third Arch Manning right now. But, um, yeah, so maybe that was why. But I was a little bit, you know, surprised I didn't see a little bit more movement from him in that in that regard. Yeah, I, I think I remember having some solid athletic testing. I don't know if I'm making that up. But it's been a few <laughs> years so far. But, but like yeah. I, I, I agree with you there. Like I wonder if it's gonna be like a almost like a Justin Jefferson situation where we just see him pocket pass for a long time and then some other coach comes in, like let him run. We'll just let him run. Yeah. So that'd be interesting. Um head over to Stanford. I did not watch this game, but I know you've been watching Ashton Daniels and uh I can't even say this guy's last name. Um Ayo Ayo Manor, Ayo Manor, Alec Ayo Manor, something like that. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to, I, I put them on here. I was wondering if you'd watched it or not, but if you hadn't, you know, it's just I, I just wanted to give a little bit of love to what they what this duo has been doing, what kind of where Stanford is headed a little bit. Like Ashton Daniels, true sophomore, I believe, um, 6'2", 215 pounds, so he's got some good size to him. He hasn't passed for less than 250 yards in any of the last three games. He's got six touchdowns to one interception in that time period. Um, 10.2 A dot, so he's not just like dumping off or whatever. Over 
60% completion percentage. Like he just, he, he looks pretty good for me. I think the arm is something that's, that's hopped out to me more than I actually expected. I see plenty of zip on the ball. He's throwing passes across the field. He's dropping these pinpoint passes down the field that, are actually surprising me a little bit. He's a guy who can move around a little bit. I think the ball placement's a little bit inconsistent. You know, sometimes on those slants and stuff, you're seeing the ball be a little bit behind, um, especially to a guy like uh, Ayomanor that we'll talk about a little bit right now. Um, but I think, you know, he's a guy that I want to keep an eye on going forward here a little bit and see if he can kind of become a guy that maybe we're going to throw into our rankings here. Maybe I've invested him a little bit. I'm interested to see where this goes and where Stanford's offense is kind of headed right now. But the guy on the other end that's kind of been – you know, talked about even a little bit more is wide receiver. Elegant uh, Ayomanor was a part of last year's class, I believe, but redshirted uh, because of a knee injury. Um, 6'2", 210 pounds. He looks like it too. I would say he's fully that size. Um, he didn't do much until Ashton healthy kind of got healthy, you know, halfway through the season here. Um, but, uh, but again, no less than 12 targets in that last three week span that I was just talking about um, almost 550 yards in the last three weeks alone, four touchdowns. Like this guy just looks like, uh, an X wide receiver. I was actually super surprised with his, with his athletic profile. Okay. I looked it up. This guy's got a 21.66, 200 meter uh, dash, a 10.76, hundred meter dash. He was a long jump state championship as a uh, state champion as well. So pretty surprising. And he comes from Canada. So now I'm definitely, and he's actually an Alberta native. He moved into the States and then got, you know, ended up going to Stanford and stuff like that. So I'm in just because he's Canadian, very physical guy. I mean, if you watch the Colorado game, he pretty much like that defense made him look like AJ Brown out there. Travis Hunter could not handle how physical uh, a human was during that game. I'm interested to see how he develops. I want to see a little bit more from him, especially uh, running and stuff like that, but very intrigued with these two guys going forward. I haven't paid much attention to Stanford. I am a big fan of the head coach, Troy Taylor, and I did do my homework in the offseason. So I did. I was very familiar with the name of Ashton Daniels. Um, I don't know. Like, so Troy Taylor was like a high school, like, you know, not like Hall of Fame, but basically like he's super famous in the high school circuit, was very productive, went to the mm-hmm. FCS uh, with, um, man, what was the team for them? It was. It was another California team, but he was really popular on the California circuit too for the FCS program. Anyway, Troy Taylor, there was a there's an article like old I digged up where he actually visited his old high school. Now his high school that he coached at was the same high school that had Ashton Daniels. And he and he even interviewed with someone like some news thing thinking about how good Ashton Daniels is and that he's too good for his program at FCS to get hmm. or to even offer him. And so when they reunited here at Stanford, I was like, well, this guy's got to be like the starting quarterback. I knew they had some transfer from like Syracuse, but I was pretty into Daniels being the starter there because of that old connection. Um, well, they didn't really have a connection, but like just because of the, yeah, the, the, the connection there. But, uh, and then, um, yeah, I didn't really believe in what else, what else they had going on. It really didn't. Yeah. So, I mean, they were trying to force this Justin Lamson thing for a couple of weeks here. And it looks like they finally realized that just Ashton Daniels is the guy just, just ride with him, which is the right move. The guy looks really good. He's, he's actually like going toe to toe with some good freaking teams here in the past couple of weeks too. A little bit, a little bit nervous about that Oregon game, but yeah, I thought he's looked good. I want to do a little bit of a uh, senior bowl check-in, right? Uh, so the first round of invites should be going out this week or last week, but we should start seeing some invites being accepted. Uh, up here in the in the recent year in the recent days here but it's only the first round of invites there's about three or four rounds of invites so and there is no correlation to be invited early last year i think like andre yoshivas was like the second last year where they invited but um anyway 
the the reason the senior bowl is so important is it's really important for wide receivers uh, like from a fantasy perspective at least um day one day two draft capital every single senior drafted the last four years between those two days had a senior bowl invite zay flowers didn't accept it he went to the shrine bowl i'm pretty sure he was paid i'm like sticking <laughs> with that theory i don't i don't i'm so calm he got paid the only guy to not was Taekwon Thornton came from the Shrine Bowl, drafted by the Patriots in the second round, I think uh, two years ago now. But outside of that, though, every senior has come from the Senior Bowl. So it's Silly really Patriots. important to just check in with who's going to the Senior <laughs> Bowl, and you got to follow up on who's doing well at the Senior Bowl. Do you have the updated list of uh, invitees? I actually haven't checked it out. No, it, it's just a watch list. They don't announce who they invite. They oh, so it's like everybody in the nation already. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a really big list. It's a big yeah. list. Yeah. So if you had to pick a favorite guy, you know, potentially going to the Senior Bowl here, who's your guy that you think is, is going to see the most rise here going to the Senior Bowl? I So, like, I, I want to see more of Xavier Weaver. I I, mm-hmm. I never really considered him, honestly, until he went to Colorado, which he's like a fifth-year guy. Yeah, and he was actually pretty good too back at where, yeah. where was he? Uh, South Florida, I believe. US, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was pretty good there too, just kind of under the radar over there. But yeah, he's an interesting guy too. I actually kind of when I looked at Colorado's wide receivers coming to into this year, he was the guy like I liked the best profile wise, like paper from an athleticism standpoint. It's just that his profile was just so late. Like he had such a late career profile, it's hard to you know, bet on those sometimes. But he is probably my favorite from this group of wide receivers at Colorado right now. I think he's up there. Jalen McMillan, who you mentioned earlier, was like hurt. Like, I think he has to go to the senior bowl because I think he's a day two guy. I don't know what his grade is right now. I assume he's probably a late day two, but I think he can do a little better than that. Jamari Thrash, like, those are like the three, like, possession guys I'm looking for to, like, step up yeah. the game. Do you think um, that Jalen McMillan, do you think there's a chance he's going to return after the year he's had? I don't. I don't. Yeah, I, I think like, he's going for you know, sure. Yeah, I think him and, like, Brian Thomas. I know, like, the guys at campus, like, we're talking about Brian Thomas. He's not a senior. So not a senior bowl guy, but I think both those guys go because like their offense is leaving. Like they don't want to wait for the turnover. Like they don't want to risk it. I think they're going to be advised to also go with them and just ride it out. Cause it, like, it could be a disaster if he sticks around. Yeah. It'll so, kind of I, be like the, like the Cedric Tillman profile. Not that, not that late into his career, obviously, but he had such a, such a bad final year, like, like with the injury and everything like that. He didn't really get to make a lot of headway for his draft stock. Ended up a third round pick. I don't know if that, will happen to Jalen McMillan. I think he's, you know, I think he's worthy of a day two, uh, a round two pick even. I think he's a pretty versatile wide receiver, but I am like, I don't know. I'm a little bit worried if he doesn't hear what he wants. Maybe he returns. It depends on how much trust they have in Dylan Morris, what they've seen from Dylan Morris. So they believe it's just going to transfer over. Like is Kalen DeBoer's system just good enough to carry the production over to whoever they're going to plug in next time that he might just feel confident enough to return and hopefully help his draft stock next year, you know? So I'm a little bit worried about him. Jamari Thrash, another guy that I really like my guy, like for this senior bowl, you know, I, I think it's going to be Elijah Badger from, you know, yeah. Arizona State yeah, wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I like him, you know, everybody likes him. You're kind of on board now after you heard that he wasn't here one zero anymore. So, <laughs> so you're kind of, you're kind of riding back on board. I really think he's just a very underrated wide receiver who does a lot of things really well, just kind of hidden there. And in, in that situation at Arizona state, just not really being able to get that national attention that he deserves. Maybe the senior bowl is going to be the avenue that he needs to kind of gain that, that, uh, that recognition that he deserves. I think. I'm just so worried about like, I think he's a yak guy and a manufactured touch guy. And the senior bowl is the exact opposite. Like it's all one v one and micro. No, stuff. That's, that's not even giving him enough respect. He he wins. Well, down I'll the field, find I'll it? find out this off season. <laughs> you will. You out. will. Yeah. I think I'll yeah. probably be going in the class. Yeah. Yeah, I think I got. You'll probably be going there. down there again this year, right? I think I think I might. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. They want to send me. They haven't said anything. I'm just making assumptions here. You know. 
No, yeah, and it, it's going to be a really wide list here. I mean, Roman Wilson from Michigan probably going to be there. Xavier Leggett, another guy. Uh, Antoine Wells, even now, yeah. he's had another injury marty here, uh, but he'll the be a guy. G five duo of uh, Tory Horton and Malachi Corley. They got to go. Yeah. I think. I think the you said Roman Wilson for slot, like a, a nice slot guy, but I think also like Restrepo and Pierce Hall, I think are also slot guys deserve to go. Yeah, I always think they like, slide I was... in like. Sorry, I, I think they slide in like. F- you know, three or four like special teamers. So, I, and they're always going to be so random. You know, the Bow Melons of the world, the Darius yeah, Davis. The Darius like, Davis is, yeah. You know, that, that's yeah. the thing with, with it, with Restrepo where he might get a thing. Cause I was talking to you before a show, like, I wonder if he's more of like an East West run guy, but, you know, Power Five guy making a little bit of headway here at Miami. He'll probably be a senior bowl guy if he's anything at this point, but yeah, it's, it's go. Like, yeah, it's an interesting list. And then you've got like your all your older guys too. Like Jermaine Burton's probably gonna be there, I would imagine. That's a place that where he could actually turn heads with his athleticism. And he's always been a practice guy, right? We've always heard how he dominates practice over and over again. Like this might be the setting where he's gonna gain all that traction again and become that third round pick. And we'll we'll all hop on board again. We'll see, what, but we'll see what happens there. I mean, Will Shepard from Vanderbilt, probably another guy, Xavier Henderson yeah. from Cincy. So it's a very, very star-studded group. Like not star-studded, sorry, it's a very depthy group that maybe we'll, we'll yeah. see a couple of stars come out of. There's always, there's always like two or three stars. There always is. Just gotta pay attention. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's that's the senior bowl check-in though. Uh, Corey, we're recording on Halloween night, dude. Like, did you, would you? I know you have a little, you have a little one out there. So, would you dress up as? Oh yeah, I didn't dress up. I, I was supposed to be Ryder from from Paw Patrol or whatever, like the main guy. But unfortunately, I didn't dress up like that. But my little guy was dressed up as Marshall. So if anybody needs rescue out there, you know, you guys know who to call. He'll he'll be over there to help you out. But he enjoyed it. It's a little bit cold over here. We're sitting at like it's cold. I don't know what it is in Fahrenheit, but it's like minus seven or eight right now or something over here. So it was a little bit cold, but we got through it. But it, it was all right. How's it going over there for you? It's going well, uh, you know. Dressed as a peasant moved. right now. If anybody, nobody I mean, can see yeah. Mike, but he decided to dress up for our show today. I feel a little bit jealous. I should have dressed up. <laughs> Just telling yeah. the fields over here. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's 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 cold over here too. Last year, so we moved in this neighborhood recently. Last year, it like poured rain, and like we don't know anyone, so I got like the little cooler like for the other dads with like yeah. beer. I got I bought IPAs. I hate IPAs, but I bought them like for the dads in the neighborhood. <laughs> but it poured rain. They'd even come up to the house. They sent their kids up from the street bro from that from their car <laughs> drive-bys yeah drive-by uh Dude, yeah, we, yeah it was it was hilarious and demoralizing and i was like this sucks but we had like five or six groups um yeah. it was it was funny there's one little kid like we have like half our candy left it's getting a little late i'm like yeah just grab a handful and this kid's like oh okay and he grabs like with both hands <laughs> just took the whole bag (laughs) yeah and i was like geez and then we were and then also we went from having too much to panicking went off enough for the rest of the night that was so fun yeah Yeah, you just shut off the lights and come record your show gotta love it (laughs) look guys if you didn't if you were like Corey, all right Corey, are you ready to debate all right boys are we ready to debate all right let's start off with do we'll we'll do we'll do by position we'll try to do uh Two debates per position group here. Let's start off with quarterbacks here. Let's start off with this year's class, QB1, Drake <laughs> May versus Caleb Williams. Who are you taking? This is a loaded question, honestly. Like, I don't know. I don't it's think it's loaded. There's two guys. Yeah, it's, 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 it's hard because it's like, I'd say that they're both like at the top. They're kind of like a, well, like 1A, 1B right now, I would say. It's hard for me to choose. And look, I don't think we have to give a whole bunch of, you know, analysis on this. You guys know who these guys are. You guys know. So uh, I did want to focus on some of like, the bad things a little bit with both of them 
a, a little okay. bit just to kind of just kind of separate them a little bit like the one thing that's bugging me the most this year about caleb and it's not even anything to do with on the football field this is demeanor dude you see that interview where he's like people want to be in my 12 foot shoes and blah 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 and, uh, i don't pay attention to stupid fans from Notre dame and all this stuff but it's just like he's really got an inflated head right now and i understand it because you know social media has been doing that to him everybody's been doing that to him he you know, he's asking for shares of NFL teams, apparently. He's trying to pick his team in the NFL. All this stuff is just like, I don't love that in my quarterback, okay? So I just want to start out by saying that. On the field, though, I think the hero ball mentality of Caleb can be an issue a little bit sometimes. He holds the ball on. He holds on a really long time. He took a lot of sacks last year. He's taken some sacks this year as well. Um, but I do think if I'm going to choose one with the arm, upside talent, Caleb's got the arm. If I'm going to give it to one person, I think Caleb's got the arm. Um Drake may in it, like, I like his demeanor. We see a little bit better. I think he's just, you know, I can see that guy as the head of my franchise a little bit more, but on the field as well, he's got a I like, I like, I like his rushing ability. I like the arm a little bit. It's not as special as Caleb's, I don't think, but he can do just about everything else. Yeah, everything that Caleb can do on, uh, on all three levels of the field as well. If you're breaking it down by like, advanced stats here, like, Caleb, 16 turnover-worthy plays, Drake only 8. 25 big-time-worthy throws for Drake, only 17 for Caleb. Caleb has produced like more raw numbers and touchdowns and yards, but it feels like he's trying to force things a bit. I don't know if he's just in his head over like all this draft buzz, over all this draft stock nonsense or whatever, and he's just trying to put like an epic product on the field, but it feels like he's in his head a little bit, man. I just wish he just, you know, play the game a little bit more. But now it's like, you know, they're looking at, I don't know, they're not looking at the playoffs anymore. Is Caleb going to back out at some point here? Like, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a little bit, uh, I don't like how Caleb's season has gone for him this year. Yeah, no, I only got to include it too. I, I do think the NFL is getting a little bit tired of these hotheads, you know, like the the Johnny Manziel's, the, I mean, Baker Mayfield is kind of working out right now, but it's been a rough road yeah. for him. Uh, like the, uh, Jay Cutler, there's just I feel like I feel like the attitude and locker room stuff has become so much more important to the NFL. Yeah, um, you know, writing writing you know F and then whatever college he's playing against on his nails. Like I don't know, dude. Like I like grow up a little bit. You know, it's a, yeah. You're not like, there's an, you're there's not an acceptable level. There's an acceptable level of like overconfidence, and especially if you're backing your team when it's just all about you. Like that's that bugs me. And and then with Drake May, like. I do think he just operates better in structure and execute a game plan. I think Caleb yeah. likes to thrive off the the um the broken down play, which is like honestly, like that's top tier NFL type stuff. Like that's you know, like that's why everyone always says, Oh, he's like Mahomes. Like that's that's why, because he can improvise like that. Maybe not to that level, but again, that skill set is where you get to the top of the NFL. Yeah. Um, Any arm I think yeah, Drake, the side arms and stuff too. Yeah, he's kind of got that. Yeah, that yeah. so much arm talent. But I think Drake May can actually execute a game plan and also operate out of structure. And he's like, you know, it's USC. Like his offensive line's terrible. He doesn't have good supporting cast. He finally got Devontae Walker back, but like he was still doing really well before that. It's just Drake May's overcome so much more adversity. Caleb Williams is playing his Pac 12 defenses. Like yeah, I don't know. I think May is probably more prepared, but if someone wanted to argue that Caleb has a higher ceiling, I probably agree. Yeah, I think that's actually a great point, too, given that Drake came in with, like, the weapons he wasn't expecting, came in with a new offensive coordinator who, like, a lot of us didn't like that hire. Like, we were worried about how that was going to look, especially losing a guy. Like, who's the guy I just had? I just, his name is... Phil Longo left, Phil Longo. Yeah, Phil Longo, who is who's very good for them. And now, you know, we were worried about how that was going to go this year. He's overcome all that adversity and has looked, has looked pretty good. I don't, I'm not ready to say Drake May is my quarterback one, but in my gut right now, in my heart, that's kind of, like, 
a little bit how I'm feeling right now, but I think I'm just disappointed with, you know, USC has been losing, Caleb's been, you know, this demeanor on, and I'm just kind of like a little bit t- turned off right now, I would say. All right, well, Drake made his QB one for me. I tried to argue it during the Debbie guide. I hope everyone remembers that. I was silenced very <laughs> quickly by the group. I was, I did put him down as QB two for about four weeks in the season there when Devontae Walker was out. And Drake, <laughs> Drake made a struggle for, I think, like two weeks. I should say struggle. He just wasn't looking fantastic for two weeks. And I had a moment of weakness where I was like, all right, well, Caleb's got to go on top now. But outside of those four weeks, though, it's always been Q- Drake made QB one for me. So put a receipt here then. Do you think Drake May goes before Caleb in the draft? Or do you just think that the hype is too is too much around Caleb? I think Drake May is QB1 in the draft. Like he goes first. He gets chosen first. Yeah, I think he's a 101 and Caleb's okay. 102. Okay, interesting. Right. See, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm there. I still think there's just too much hype. Like he's just going to get picked first regardless. But I, I, still, I wouldn't be surprised if Drake May ends up the better the better guy at the end of it all. Dude, what's that old guy that does the NFL analysis that's always wrong? What's his name again? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> no, no. We we make fun of him all the time. He's it's always um Walter football? No, no. <laughs> the guy that's actually on ESPN. Mel Kuyper. I just oh. hope Mel Kuyper puts Caleb as QB1 and not Drake May. Because if he puts Drake May QB1, I know he's not going QB1. If Mel Kuyper yeah. puts him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, let's head on over to the next one. Let's go over to a pair of true freshmen here. Dante Moore, who's actually, we've seen him. We've seen some good, mm-hmm. we've seen some bad of Dante Moore versus Malachi mm-hmm. Nelson. What do we think Dante Moore's upside is in the If you had to pick one player that you're comparing him to, like, like I would say what, the highest level of pocket passer with that type of like a little bit of limited mobility, it's probably Joe Burrow, right? That's probably like the highest ceiling, I, I would say. But like- I, I remember like, talking about him earlier with you, like off season. And I remember like my biggest turn was like, we didn't know if his arm talent was there, so we're like, "What is this like, Kirk Cousins at best? Like maybe?" Yeah, yeah. You know, that's kind so. of that's kind of where I'm settling to. Yeah, around there. Okay. Like, so yeah, like I, I think he's a really technically sound guy. Uh, I think he plays really well with instructure, which is something we can't say for a lot of these people. And I do think that's a very important at the NFL level. You know, seventy percent of your plays are going to be within structure. You got to be able to execute in timing, anticipation. Like he's very good at that. You know, it's like he, the base he, level requirement to do exactly, that. exactly. And he can extend plays a, a little bit as well too. He gets re- resets really well, which I've always liked. I think you know we've just seen some typical freshman struggles, up and downs. I mean. The one thing we can say is, is there any other true freshman quarterback starting for a Power 5 team right now? You know what I mean? Like, that, that, that that's one thing, at least in his book, going, going for him. You know, he started out strong. He's faded a bit over the last few games. And, you know, he's kind of been benched a little bit. I think the biggest yeah. question, like you said, is going to be arm talent. You know, they had the reports of fatigue in the offseason. Um, not really a tight window thrower. Um, but you know, I do think there's times that we're getting, we're getting to the point where tools are almost being overvalued a little bit. We do have to give credibility to guys like this, especially after seeing what, what Kirk and bro, what even Brock Purdy have done to this point. And Mac Jones too. Let's not forget about Mac Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Mac Jones. Let's hope <laughs> that he's not actually Mac Jones a little bit like that, but there is, there is, to me, there is still a mystery box here with Malachi. That's, that's still very intriguing. Like, I don't think the evaluation has to have changed at all for right now. Right. Like there's nothing to dissuade us from the original evaluation. We always expected there was going to be a wait. Would we like to see it more? Yeah. But I don't really think that we need to for the evaluation that we had. He still hooked up with Lincoln Riley still, in my opinion, has the best arm talent in the class and not, not arm strength, arm talent, you know, and I think we talked about like like comparisons for Dante. I read a really interesting one for Malachi. Uh, I want to pass this by. What do you think about Aaron Rodgers for Malachi as a complete ceiling comp? I think similar build, 
similar level of athleticism. I don't think Malachi is like a world beater, but Rogers can move around a little bit. And I think, you know, the recruiting team and, and me and some other guys, we felt like he had one of the more advanced arms in the class, like placement, touch, hitting three levels of the field from that standpoint. Like, you know, I, I see that a little bit as a ceiling. I don't know if he's ever going to reach it or whatever, but I see that a little bit as a ceiling. I still think both these guys should probably be going in the same area. I have kind of have a hard time deciding. I think my gut wants a mystery box, but I think the safe play is going with more. No, the, I, I think it's Nelson. First off, Nelson hasn't been benched, so there's that. But yeah, um, no, I, I think you said it with all the arm talent there. Lincoln Riley is such a heavy history of of developing QBs here, and I do actually like the the comp to Aaron Rodgers as a ceiling comp. So um, even though we haven't seen him like the high school profile, I'm still hanging on to that. UCLA is like I don't even like watching them on offense. Like I don't know what they got going on there. It just seems like they don't really know what they want to do besides run the rock. Yeah. Uh, so I have like so much more confidence in Nelson's development under Lincoln Riley. And yeah, the first sitting for the first year, like that was expected. So, um, and I know he's coming off an injury too. I don't obviously don't have any updates on that whatsoever, but um, no, I have full like confidence in Lincoln Riley. And then he actually has a guy with tools to develop. So, and his only failure is like what Spencer Rattler for having attitude issues. And I have not yeah. seen any of that for, for Malachi Nelson. So hopefully, that stays that way. It's the worst debate ever. We agreed for the first two guys. We gotta get we gotta get some adversity going here. We gotta get <laughs> let's get let's move on to the running backs. I think we'll have a little bit more uh more verses here. Cause I think we've agreed on both these. I was hoping you were gonna pick Dante Moore for that one, but no, I thought you would because I'm going off your rankings. So it looks like someone needs to update their stuff. All right, man. I absolutely need to update my stuff. Yeah, it's been a while <laughs> for me. I can, it, do I really have more in front? I probably bumped him up in just like one in one a couple of spots in front when he became the starter, but yeah, I haven't moved in a while. Yeah, so running backs, though. Uh, Quinshawn Judkins versus Nick Singleton, right? It was debated last year, RB1 and 2. I just kind of want to check in and see where you're at on that that debate. I started first for the first two. I think it's your turn now. That's fine. I'll start off. Judkins. It's <laughs> Judkins for me. Nick Singleton's been yeah. an athlete. And I'm, I'm getting a little tired. I can't say tired. I'm getting annoyed at, like, raw guys, like, raw players. I, I want to see a little bit more refinement in them. And Nick Singleton is, like, a super athlete. But if I don't see a step forward going to year two, like, I think you have to at least discount him a little bit. Um, And then going to year three, guys, discount him a lot if they can't if they can't develop. It's been three years. Like, you can't just plateau out of high school. So, Nick Singleton's longest run was last week against Ohio State for 20 yards. This guy's supposed to be, like, an all-world athlete. He's been extremely inefficient. Um, behind a, a pretty robust offensive line that Penn State always has. I'd rather Juggins, who had a slow start, but it was like, you know, we watched. It seemed like an envision issue, a little bit indecisive, waiting for holes to open up. His offensive line's clearly not as good as it used to be. And uh, I think he's fixed that. He's healthy now. He's clearly – he's, like, bounced back. He's a little bit more de- decisive. Not really a guy to make a guy miss. He's a one-cut-and-go type guy, but I like that. So – like I think it's Judkins because it's safer, and I feel like Nick Singleton has very serious flop potential at this point in time. Yeah, this will probably be the first one that we will disagree with a little bit because, uh, like, I love Quichon Judkins. I do think that he's a great player. Like, the, one of the comps I've been running with, I, I've brought it up a bunch of times, is David Montgomery. I think he kind of has a little bit of what David Montgomery – and we see David Montgomery's done very well in the NFL. He keeps finding jobs for himself. He keeps producing and stuff like that. But – I can't give up, you know, what I see in Singleton, what I think are like high-end NFL traits. And they're still, the NFL is still willing to bet on NFL traits, regardless, you know, Antonio Gibson, you know, uh, David Johnson, guys like, like, they'll bet on guys with 
interesting traits. And to me, Singleton has that power and speed trait that Judkins just does not have. How are they going to look at Judkins compared to like a like uh, to Singleton, who probably tests a lot better? Like, look at how they looked at David Montgomery, who was like kind of like the same type of guy forced the most missed tackles in his career. Like Judkins was very high in the missed tackles force rate last year as well. And this year we're, we kind of saw him trying to dance around a little bit too much and it not work in his favor. He needed to learn to get downhill a little bit harder. That was something David Montgomery needed to learn at the next level as well. Whereas Singleton, I always expected him to be a raw person coming in. He ran that like triple option in high school. Um, he was always just this raw guy. I think last year he over exceeded expectations as a rookie. Uh, this year he's probably underselling as a sophomore, but just based off of like what we saw last year, given like what we were expecting coming into this year, if he looked good, good, that if he looked that good that year, he's going to look awesome this year, but let's not pretend Quinshaw Judkins has looked awesome this year as well. He really hasn't looked like, like the same guy that we saw last year as well. So I still think I want to bet on the power and speed. I want to bet on the Penn state uh, strength and conditioning. Um, you know, I'll give Judkins a little bit of an edge as a pass catcher, which I think is something that we have to look at towards the NFL level, but I think he pales in comparison athletically. So for me, I'm still sticking with Singleton here. Nick Singleton has two games over four yards per attempt. One of them was West Virginia, and the other one was – oh, sorry, there's three. Excuse me. But UMass, I don't really count them. They're not really a team, but UMass. And then Ohio State, where he ripped off his longest run of the year for 20 yards. It's been abysmal, and he's like a terrible – Terrible, well, I should say terrible, but he's not he's not a natural like pass catcher, which you admitted, but like where's the development? It's not happening this year. Like it's clearly not. Katron's way more efficient. Katron's a little bit Katron's probably a, little, a better runner down the middle than he is at this point in time. So we said that though. That was part of the analysis. Was but that we thought he would overtake him by like second year? Like there's there it's not happening. No, it's it all happening. it all depends on where your trajectory was. I think I think last year he overexceeded that. So now the expectations coming into this year were a lot higher, but I still think that there was a learning curve that's going to happen. I mean, we're just seeing that a little bit more this year, um, you know, with m- maybe even a little bit more on his plate and, you know, changing quarterbacks, a lot of a lot of weapons that they don't have right now in the receiving game to kind of you can't, take the you pressure can't off take of steps it, backwards without context. Like there's not like the, the, the so then what's, Quinchon, that what's, like what's Judkins, guy, like, what's Judkins then? What's Judkins excuse then? He was hurt. He was hurt in the offensive line. Like had a lot of turnover. What was he wasn't hurt to start the year against Mercer? Four point six yards per yeah, carry. Was, Two point seven against Tulane. That he was playing through. That was like reported. No. Yes. No. Yes. All right. And what's Nick Singleton's excuse then? Then for not performing, being raw. Two years in a row. I need. I needing to develop a little bit more. But no. But I. I. Di- I just think that there's more NFL upside. Like I think, like I said, NFL. Uh, upside to me, Quinton Jenkins is David Montgomery, which is still a very good player. NFL upside for me for a Nicholas Nicholas Singleton, if all things go right, ceiling comp. He's like a Nick Chubb. You can do upside if you're like a freshman. I think somewhere from sophomore to junior year, you got to start talking more about the floor and like which one. We we get in on running backs after one year. We don't need three years of dollar production the whole time. Let's, I'm still willing to see how he develops going into that I third need, year. He still has plenty of development. Time. I need some sort of flashes of brilliance. There hasn't well, been see. one we single still, flash of brilliance. That time. You're too you're too quick to hop off, guys. That's why. I moved him down a little bit, not a lot. I think he's like RB. I'll go check. I'll go check. Yeah, I mean they're probably both in the same. They're probably they're, they're all first he's RB round picks six for me. Right now. He's six. No, maybe he's not a first round pick for you then. <laughs> no, no, probably no. not. All right, so Jenkins, we both agree. Cool. No. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> uh, listen on to a little deeper name for this year's class, right? So actually, before we get into this, Corey, who's your like RB one and two for this year's class? Henderson and Allen. In that in that order, or just not? You're not sure yet. I think I still want to have Henderson first. Yeah. Okay. I'm fine with that. Like Henderson Allen yeah. for me as well. Yeah. Um. Anyway, but like, there's that group afterwards. So let's let's talk about. I just wanted to ask where you were at with that too, because uh, my whole like hold up with Henderson was: is he one healthy? Like, is he going to come back? Like, if he's not, he's not going to go out to the draft. And but anyway, he showed yeah. up, looked really good too. Um. The debate: Jonathan Brooks versus Marshawn Lloyd. Currently, my RB four and five in the class. Um, and I did a little yeesh. bit of a film study on USC last night. Yeah, it is a yeesh, bro. You really said it. it's kind of yikes. <laughs> yeah. um, Who would you rather have out of uh, Texas running back Jonathan Brooks or USC's Marshawn Lloyd? Yeah, this one is a little bit easy for me. Well, I mean, you, anybody who's listening to the show or has talked to me a little bit knows I'm, I'm probably not buying the Jonathan Brooks Kool-Aid just yet like i just see i see more traits that i think transfer with marshawn lloyd between his quickness his footwork that suddenness he has he's twitchy you know like i I, i've often said he presses the line better than any back in this class he has that lateral ability to like press it make you believe it's so hard and still have the lateral ability to cut outside and like break for another big play you know exceptional lateral movement um this guy who can create on his own and that's really what we want to see at the next level which is something that i don't necessarily see for jonathan brooks i see a guy with good vision um i see a guy who can follow the play design very well but i don't see a great lateral mover you mean you, you might see a jump cut here or there but he's much more slippery uh an avoider than he is elusive to me like to me on second level it's uncreative like there's that big play that even last like i saw it all over twitter big play from last week's game he like it's wide open hole. He he runs through it and he's just like bending through like the traffic. You know, no, there's no cut, there's no lateral movement, there's no nothing. He's just following his blocks, which I give him credit for for being for having good vision. I give him credit for having a, a decent pass catcher as well. Looks very comfortable catching the ball. Doesn't fight it at all. But second level, he's just lowering his shoulder into guys, and he's not a guy that I'm going to call very powerful. So it's kind of a weird running profile as well. Um, you know, I had a very mean comparison. My mean comparison for Jonathan Brooks is is Rakeem Boyd from Arkansas, who put up a ton of production as well while he was there. But he was just a mediocre player in my eyes. I just don't know if I'm seeing a very one note runner from Brooks for me. So for me, this is almost more about how much I don't I'm not buying into Brooks. Um, but I also just very uh, really like the way Marshall Lloyd has come back this year. You know, all those injuries kind of piling up on him now. He's kind of looking like that old guy that we fell in love with as a recruit. Yeah, so I watched the Cal versus USC game last night. I just realized, I don't know, like that I haven't watched too much USC. I really haven't, not since I want to say like week one or week two. Um, and I wanted to get eyes on a bunch of guys. But talking about Marshawn Lloyd here, I don't, I don't, first off, I don't believe he's 210. I think he's much closer to 195 than he is 210. And I think yeah, he's actually that is, playing at 200. I actually believe you on it, especially for a guy who's 5'9. Like he should look stout yeah. if he's actually 210, which he does. Like he um, should look like DeAndre Swift, and he doesn't look like that. Yeah, he he doesn't like he doesn't like shy away from contact. He definitely has really good pad level. Like he, I think he's very excellent at like getting down low. Um, there's just not power there. Like, I just think he's weak. I don't think he's very strong. Um, so that's an issue for me too. But I I don't know. Like he's just fine. Like, I I have trouble looking at him and being like, this is what he does a lot better than the rest of the class. And I definitely agree, though, for Jonathan Brooks. Like, he's slippery, not elusive. And I do think Marshawn has a little bit more elusiveness than he does, um, than, than, than Brooks does. So, 
Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm just struggling here. I I I think Brooks's <laughs> vision, Brooks's vision is some of the best in the class, and I think that's his number one thing. And so that's mm-hmm. why I think he's just like you said, like you give he takes what's given to him, like not much more, but like he's very good at taking what's given to him. And I don't know if Marshawn Lloyd's gonna be able to create enough to really capitalize on. I don't know. I don't think Marshawn Lloyd's like a fantastic pure runner. I think he's just he's just fine. Yeah, he, and he's kind of a guy that does like to get you know, he, he works his way to the edge, I would say, you know, like he is an inside runner and he can run inside the tackles, but he likes to like press the line and then work his way outside. So he is, he is kind of a guy that likes to operate a little bit more with quickness, with speed, with, with that suddenness, you know, he's not going to be a power player. He's not going to be a guy who's going to break a bunch, but you know, we, we've talked about it with, with Travion Henderson. We've talked about, you know, why can't these guys be like Dalvin cook have been why like how Deandre Swift is doing right now, guys who don't necessarily win on power, but can win on a lot of those other facets. Maybe they're not an RB one for a team, but they're probably like leading a you are a very very healthy part of the committee at the next level. Marshawn Lloyd is like Bucky Irvin, but with like actual NFL traits. Like that's yeah. like kind of how I view him. Let's not be that mean, okay? I don't. <laughs> I don't like it. Just kind of annoys me that that's the case. But um, yeah. And then with Brooks again, I just think he has better vision, and I don't like. They're both guys I struggle looking at and be like, this is what he does so well, and. Team A, B, C, and D is going to love this skill set because they use these guys like this. They're both guys that are like very productive, very efficient. I think NFL teams are going to like them, like for the fourth round, maybe you know fourth round of the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know what upside. This is going to be a terrible running back class. I don't know if I believe in the upside of any of these guys. But I was certainly, I'm going to say this right here. I was wrong about Marshawn Lloyd the last two years. I've been the number one hater for him, certainly on this show, and I just want to say that i'm sorry i'm wrong because he's beating my expectations uh, so yeah, at least, we're, at least we're not talking about austin jones anymore i think that's probably the big win <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, so yeah are not you not a so fan you're of going, you're going with brooks there you're going with brooks there though like, i am going with brooks because i do like his vision a lot more um and i feel like marshall Lloyd's going to rely more on an efficient offensive line and i think brooks yeah. can do a little bit more than that I'm just such a sucker for those that footwork and that twitchiness from a, from a running back that you know I made me fall in love with like DeAndre Swift made me fall in love with a lot of guys that's kind of that's kind of uh my 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 um my Achilles heel at at running back I just I love those guys so I'm a, I'm a big Marshawn Lloyd fan here I don't think Lloyd has that twitchiness I really don't but I do think his acceleration is very excellent his start stop I think is very very excellent that's probably like why remi- I think he's like, he reminds me of the same way that Devin Neal can operate the line of scrimmage like I think I see that from Marshawn Lloyd. Okay, but Devin Neal is not soft. He's very powerful and very okay. precise. Okay, okay, all right, all right. I like down. Devin Neal's my RB3. <laughs> I'm avoiding that for this yeah. conversation, but that's the guy that's between these like two groups. I would here. not be surprised if he ends up as my RB3 as well in this class. But yeah, I, again, yeah, just worried I, about just worried about the attention he's going to get. That's my biggest concern. It'll be me. Me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll be telling everybody at the senior bowl. By the way, there's a guy <laughs> that you guys should look yeah. at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm pretty, don't look I'm at these, be... don't look at the running backs here. Let me tell you about a guy at Kansas. You guys should be like <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make a burner account. I'm gonna call it Kratos and I'm gonna comment on Devin Neal's name. And With like gonna... the whole profile, give his 40 time, give his size, it's give his fake everything. stats. I'm gonna say what yeah, he ran in preseason, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna... <laughs> I heard he got nominated for the Spartan program for Halo. Did you hear that? Like, I'm oh, gonna... really? Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, amazing. I'm just going yeah. to make stuff up. Yeah. Must be a, a feature Hall of Famer. <laughs> <laughs> Mel Kuyper has him as RB1. You didn't know that? You're stupid. <laughs> 
Well, the last running backs we want to talk about here, a little bit deeper. Uh, this is more for next year's class here. I, I'm pulling Corey's heartstrings here, but Jordan James of Oregon versus Quinn <laughs> Allen of Syracuse. Yeah, so, I mean, if you want me to go first on this one again, I mean, and it might just be that I need to watch Jordan James a little bit more as well because what he's been doing this year is actually pretty impressive, acting, acting as, you know, Bucky Rings B there. Um, and then, like, performed pretty well when Bucky Irving got hurt as well. And he's he's had a little bit of pass catching upside as well. But I do really like LaQuint Allen. I'm still holding on to that evaluation. Um, you know, he's got that big playability. And he's got the pass catching upside that I think is – you know, when you're picturing guys and you're talking about two guys that are probably day three type guys, um, both longer shots to make the NFL, you need you need to figure out what avenues each of them have to make the NFL, right? Well, Quinn Allen, to me, has the pass catching upside that probably gives him that avenue to make the league. Like, I think, you know, my comp has always been Rashad White, and I think that he fits that very well. You know, I, I do want to see him become a little more efficient as a rusher, um, but it's not bad or anything like that. I just, I want to see him enter that more elite, terri- uh, elite territory efficiency like Rashad White had that made everybody kind of fall in love with him. But, you know, Jordan James, probably a little bit more of a grinder right now. I did last some of the footwork I seen for a little bit of a bigger back from, from the stuff I saw. Both guys, for me, are are trending up, but I'm sticking with LaQuint for now just because I see I see an easier path to the NFL for him right now. Yeah, I I've been I've been like not flipping, but I I've been lowering the guys that I believe are NFL pass catchers for guys that I want. Like I, I've been lowering those because I think they're just more of a dime a dozen. I've been like deciding in my head that the pass catching skill set for running backs is really just checking a box. And then there's a very elite group of like pass catchers, and I'm talking about like Jameer Gibbs and like Austin Eckler. Um, Jordan James was a Georgia recruit, flipped over to Oregon. He's got a bowling ball build. He has like the NFL athleticism. I think he's a phenomenal runner between the tackles, which is very rare for anyone I want to say in the Pac-12. Um, so I, and I'm into him. And, and as a pass catcher too, he's he checks he checks the box. He's not superb, but he checks the box. He can do that. So I. I think Jordan James is the complete back, and probably this offseason, definitely for the Debbie guide, we're going to be asking ourselves what his actual ceiling is. Uh, so for now, I'm kind of more holding on to that pre-draft profile when he was with, going with the Georgia. I think his ceiling is pretty high, um, and I don't think LeQuint will ever be that good at running down the middle compared to Jordan James. Yeah, he's definitely more of like that slasher category. But Jordan James sounds like he could potentially be a my guy for you. Oh, he might be. I think Colin might do it too. I know Colin's a fan as well. Yeah, I actually like. I'll, I'll fully admit, I just need to watch more of what he's done this year. But just you know, I'm I'm basing this off the a lot of the evaluation that I made coming into the year, where I was a little bit higher on Quinn. So I'm I'm sticking with it for now. But uh, yeah, when I wouldn't be surprised to see this see this flipped at this point next year either as well. So very close there. Yeah, sorry, just checking something out. Uh, let, let's head over to wide receivers, right? Um, this one's a little bit hard. So I. I actually, I'm gonna I'm skipping a guy, Corey. I'll come back though, but I'm gonna be skipping on the sheet a little bit to this year's class. And I want to ask you, all right, so top five. I want to just confirm that you have the same top five as me for this year's class. Not in this order, but same top five. It's gonna be uh Marvin Harrison Jr., Ameka Abuka, Malik Neighbors, Romo Dunze, and Xavier Worthy. Are those like the same top five for you in this class? Say that again. Sorry, what did you say? Shit. Uh, do you have the same top five for wide receivers for this year's class? It's going to be the Ohio State duo, uh, Malik Neighbors, Xavier Worthy, and Romo Dunze. Not yes, necessarily in that order, but same five guys. <clears throat> yeah, same five guys, yeah. Okay. So, and then, like, after that, I kind of struggle. There's Tez Walker, obviously. We'll, we'll, we'll wait to see more about him. But I want to know the debate on Troy Franklin versus Keon Coleman. Like, who would you put in front of the other? 
Yeah, so I think we can start. Let's start this just by talking it a little bit. I think let's talk about Keon Coleman a little bit. Yeah. His highest upside, you know, we've been doing that a lot today. What is his highest upside to you at the next level? Is it Mike Williams? Is that his upside at the next level? Um, because I don't know if I see that. Mike, Mike Williams, I think I don't think Mike Williams is much of a yak guy. He's a jump ball guy, but he's a little bit skinnier. So I don't know. Like I kind of want to say, do, like, but you him. do think you do think Coleman's a yak guy? I think Coleman can offer more in the yak. Yeah, I know that's not yeah, how his stats reflect, and I think that's Jordan Travis's fault for his ball placement and just his overall quarterback ability. Okay, that that's my biggest thing with Coleman. Is I just think he's he's a little bit of a one note player. Like he's just you know like he he's one thing that he wins. He's physical. Um, like I don't see like a crazy like I see I see him play with leverage a little bit. I don't see like a lot of crazy footwork during the stem of his routes, and then like. You know, comparing him to Mike Williams, I think Mike Williams was was very good at the catch point between like body contortion, between the hands and stuff like that. You know, we talked about it a couple of times with Keon Coleman, like his cat rate even on contest catches, like what under fifty percent right now. Like he's a he. I don't Dude, think that he has nine for twenty four on the season, which is terrible. But like his sophomore year was exact opposite. Like it was. I I I think it's inconsistent. I don't really yes. know, and I don't think it's really his fault. But the fact that we saw it one year, I feel pretty good that like. I feel better if I never saw it, but I've seen it. So I feel pretty much fine. Like saying, like writing it off as like, oh, it's an inconsistency. Like I'll dock him a few points, but like, I'm not going to say it's like part of the yeah. profile. And before I sound too mean on Keon Coleman, I will say he's, he's risen up for me right now. I think he's my wide receiver, like seven right now in this class. I see more burst than I originally gave him credit for. I see better movement skills than I actually gave him credit for. So I actually think that he, he has a little bit of that above Mike Williams right now. Um, but yeah, I just don't see the, 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 you know, like we called him a bully ball wide receiver at the beginning of the year. And it's like, I don't even know if I see that type of bully ball mentality that I really wish that I, I saw a little bit more. Um, like we saw at Michigan State a little bit, you know, maybe, and again, maybe that's more John Travis or whatever. But the other side of the coin here is Troy Franklin, who I do have for me. That's who I'm going to be choosing here. Troy Franklin's a guy um, who I've seen progression from year after year after year. Uh, again, this year, seeing a lot, a, a lot of increase in a lot of those stats, you know, became a lot better at the catch point, became a lot better in, during the stems of his routes, um, became more versatile, moved inside to outside to inside to outside, and has can remained consistent and have been the same guy week after week. I think the one thing that we're concerned about is his size and, like, the profile. Like, he's not a big X wide receiver physical at the catch point or anything like that. He's more of, like, a finesse um, you know, maybe like on, on your Martavis Bryant type of, you know, wide receiver spectrum. Like he's not a super physical type of guy. So I think that's what people have the trouble seeing the transition. But when this guy fucking tests amazingly at the NFL combine, um, when he has that stats backing him up, when the, everybody's looking at the Oregon team as a team that's been super good this year, I just think he's going to climb in this draft, man. And I just think I would not be surprised if he, if he kind of trickles into the back end of the first. I mean, I think that, uh, I think that could be lofty, but I picture him as an easy second-round pick and someone that I would prefer over Keon, I think, for my team. I, I don't – yeah, so I, I struggle with seeing Troy Franklin's uh, skill set transition to the NFL. I think he's more of a straight-line guy, and uh, I think he has phenomenal hands, good ball tracking. I, but, like, at, like, 100 well, – he's listed at 187 pounds, which I don't believe. But at, like, 180 pounds, like, I don't think that type That's of skill set – Six two one eighty is not a bad size. It's, it's really six not. three one eighty, and I. He's, now, not I was about to that. He's not six. I was about to get to that. I hope yeah. he comes in at six foot two because I'll care a little bit less about the weight. And I'm like thinking, like, what if he goes to a team that drafts him? They already already have like a very clear like outside boundary guy. Like, I would what, love to. What's CD Lamb's build? Yeah, probably six foot one one eighty. Yeah, like, do you not think that he could be a CD Lamb type player? 
I think CeeDee Lamb's a really good route runner. I don't think I ever seen him do much. No, I what? Yeah, maybe not not same type of route runner, but yeah, like I I could see. Yeah, that but like that's what I'm saying for usage. Like I don't see him do stuff in college that I want to see in the NFL. But I would be interested if I could see enough evidence that he's a good route runner. Goes to a team that I feel confident they're going to put him in like you know a possession role, not the outside mm-hmm. role that Oregon's using him for. So I would be interested in that. But typically. Typically, if I don't see that skill set used in the at a college level, I just assume it's not there. So that's that's my struggle, and I like Keon because I, I there's very clear inconsistencies, and I've been watching his film. Like I'm really having a hard time, and me and you will dive in the off season because we do those little draft profiles at the end of our episodes once the off season hits. Because mm-hmm. um, his drops, like some of them are like some of them, some of them are the quarterback's fault, but some of them are like. He's doing a five-yard like hitch or like a five-yard comeback, and he just sits there and he throws him the ball, and the guy just like I mean, he just sits there and doesn't like attack it, you know, like in the DB's yeah. hands get in there. It's an easy breakup, just bounces off his hand. There are some drops that are stupid. There really are some drops that are stupid to me. And my like whole working theory right now is that he's very uncomfortable sitting in the zone, and that he really flourishes when he's actively in motion and running. Like that's his thing. Like he needs, yeah. he's all like a timing guy. Like that's what I think he is, but we'll see a lot more of that in the uh, off season. Almost a better, like one verse one type guy. It's better to get manned up on. He feels like he can do more rather than trying to like find zones to sit in or whatever. Like yeah. no one to slow down and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that from him. Yeah. So that's where I'm at with him. So there's inconsistencies. He has inconsistencies. And then Troy Franklin for me, I just don't see the skill set translate transitioning. Um, and it's really just an architect type plus play style. So I, I I'm on Keon Coleman. I think Troy Franklin might be a third rounder because I think if other guys are saying like, oh well, he doesn't have an NFL skill set, I could see him like becoming like Diane Brown, you know, who was yeah. kind of a one trick pony. I'm definitely a little more optimistic about him. I think I've seen enough growth, you know, even even in route running a little bit between deception given from his freshman year to this year. Like, I think I've seen a little bit more. But I will say that Keon Coleman, I think, has that physicality that I think translates to the NFL. He has the build that translates to the NFL. He has a lot of things going for him that I think are going to get him into the NFL regardless. Like, he's going to be an NFL-type player. It's just, it's just what type of ceiling is there from a fantasy standpoint. And, and there's some massive holes, too. Like, I... I the zero for three for Boston College. I know that was a weathery game, and I'm sure he was doubled up too. He does disappear. Virginia Tech, three for 22. Like, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Three for 48 and winning a Southern Miss. Like, it wasn't like, like, he's out there running routes. Like, it's not like they use him for 15 routes and, like, that was it. Like, he's out there, like, running routes and not being used. So, um, there are some, there are some big holes. Yeah. All right. Let's head on over to, um, Let's, let's go to the next class. Let's go over to Matthew Golden, Houston wide receiver, versus Eugene Wilson, the true freshman from Florida. And uh, did you want to start off? Or, you've been starting off a lot. Did you want me to start off? Sure. Sure. Go ahead. Matthew Golden's been tough for me. I love Matthew Golden. I think he's an actual good route runner. I love his footwork. Um, Donovan Edwards. Or Donovan. Don, well, Donovan Edwards, too. But Donovan Smith has been terrible. Uh, anybody mm-hmm. with the name Donovan? And the college level has been really bad this year. Uh, but anyway, there's been like no touch. Like some of those drops that they're recording for Matthew Golden, it's like the dude's like firing a rocket and he's only five yards away. It's been a little ridiculous. But at the same time, I have also seen egregious drops. So just similar to Keon Coleman. So um, he almost seems checked out at times too, which kind of seems like how the Houston's offense is running right now. So I'm a little bit worried about Golden in that sense, even though I do love his route running. And then with Eugene Wilson, my biggest my biggest fear is that he's just kobe prentice and i'm writing him off 
as in like I think he can do more than be a, a short area yak guy. That's kind of how Kobe Prentice is. Like that's his skill set. And that's how Hugh Wilson's currently being used. Like his 4.08 out. I'm sure it's a little bit lower after the Georgia game. No, it's worse. But I'm hoping that's just Graham Mertz. Like I'm, I'm I like, that's what I'm telling myself. I'm like, this guy's just Graham Mertz. He's dink and dunk. This is how the offense works. Hugh Wilson's gonna do more in the intermediate and deep next year. Um, but I I'm thinking huge in Wilson here because I, I do see like the NFL traits, the athleticism, the yak stuff's always appealing. He's a true freshman. And I'm like waiting to see next year if he can operate more in the intermediate indeed. Yeah, he's a little bit smaller, but this is, Eugene's also almost our Barry and Brown this year, right? Like Barry and Brown was used the exact same way last year. All the stuff near the line of scrimmage, he's manufactured touches, and we were kind of wondering how that was going to transfer into this year. And you know, they've been increasing his usage beyond that eight up, but it hasn't really reflected the production that we kind of wanted to see from Barry and Brown. Hopefully that's not the same case with Eugene Wilson, but again, yeah, ADOT, you're talking about the ADOT. He only has three games over a one yard ADOT. I mean, he's played in six because he had a little bit of injuries, but only three of those games, he was even above one yard of an ADOT. And he's got like two with negative ADOTs and just one with like 0.3. So it's, it's all around the line of scrimmage stuff. That's really what it is. Um, so that does that part of his profile does make it a little bit hard to see where he's going. Very good athlete. I think this is still a good starting spot for him. Like it was a good starting spot for Barry and Brown deserves to be high in the rankings. And yeah, Matthew Golden though, on the other side has been a little bit of a difficult, um, a difficult guy to analyze a little bit, but I do really like Matthew Golden's skills. And I think there's also an injury there that a lot of people just don't want to talk about when they talk about the fact that Matthew Golden isn't performing up to speed. Like he left the game a couple of weeks ago where he, he left for half the game. It looks like he, it seems like he's battling through it to try to be on the field right now. Um, but there's not enough people giving enough credibility for that. He has flashed a lot this year, especially as a returner, which I really like. He's showing off that footwork. He's showing off that speed. I just don't think he's, he's done what everybody was hoping for based off that last season, based off of what Tank Dell did in this, in this offense last year. I think a lot of people were hoping that was going to be golden, but it's become a more spread out attack. Like you said, Donovan Smith isn't looking that good. These guys are very close for me, but I think I really like Matthew Golden's. I see NFL skill set with Matthew Golden. I really do. I don't know what the upside is. I don't know, but like Eugene to me could fall even into a Rondale Moore bucket. Like, uh, by the end of his career for me i think i'm still just slightly leaning with matthew golden i know that's not consensus right now i don't i don't feel like it is anyways um but i just i, I i'm giving him more credibility for that injury for that injury and i think that he's got more going for him still i will say this matthew golden has not been credited with the drops this week three so good for him on that one um but yeah he started out wildly inefficient too. Like I remember he was catching only like 50% of his targets or something like that. So, I mean, there's more, there's definitely more that we need to see from Matthew Golden. Um, but I'm, I don't think I'm as pessimistic as a lot of the people out there are right now. I think Matthew Golden's a great buy though. Like I think Eugene Wilson is like the man right now, but it, if I didn't have gold, I would go out and seek to get him. I really do. Like, I don't, I, I think the skill set's there. I just think the QB is pretty terrible. The offense lost uh, Shannon Dawson. Although, I think most of us speculated that he wasn't the one calling plays there at the end of the year. Yeah. But um, no, Corey's right though. He has cleaned up over the last like six weeks. His completion percentage is way up. He's not dropping balls or using him a lot closer to the line rather than deep. Um, so I think yeah. it's more of a downward to diamond Edwards thing, but we'll get those answers next year. Cause I'm sure they'll go fishing for another QB in the portal, but I, I still think this guy has NFL traits and um, yeah, I, I like Matthew golden, but I, I think Eugene Wilson's the safer guy right now. Yeah, sounds like I was almost convincing you there, but yeah, just, just we'll we'll let you almost. stick. Almost, it, it was close. It was close. <laughs> it was close. <laughs> it was close.
I don't know ever what to do with him in rankings. He's been floating around like my. It's he's hard in the twenty. Yes, the twenties area. Yeah, that's exactly the same thing for me. He's just been floating around there. Like I don't know. Like Devontae Walker moved behind him, then he moved in front of him, then he was like, like all over the place. So. Yeah. So twenty. So twenty one for me, and he was like number fourteen going into the season. So. Yeah, he was in my teams too. Yeah. 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 So, all right. Close, no cigar though. Last one here for wide receivers. We're talking about some true freshmen here. Makai Lemon, the athlete turned wide receiver for USC. Um, had a little story come out that he was playing with the defense a little bit. Got everyone scared there for a little bit. They, they doubled down and said his his future is with the wide receiver room there. Has beaten the year one zero through kick returns only versus the three star sensation from Clemson, Tyler Brown. Yeah, and when you put this one on the sheet, like I even, you know, I maybe I was out of the loop a little bit. I actually realized Makai Lemon had broken his year one zero because I was actually starting to get worried that he wasn't going to, but I guess he broke it on returns on special teams, which is still nice to see. Um, and I think the evaluation, like, you know, it makes me feel a little more confident in maintaining a higher ranking. But when you look at this and you put together the sheet, you kind of went off our rankings, and I've updated in a while. I might have Tyler Brown in front of Makai Jack, uh, Makai uh, Lemon right now, but. At the same time, like, I don't know uh, how, when do you let go of like your recruiting analysis from the beginning? You know, Tyler Brown wasn't really a guy that we were on and, you know, Clemson has had these flashes before, you know, I'm looking at you, EJ Williams, who flashed as a true freshman. Everybody was on top of him and thinking he was going to be something special. And there's also the realm that Tyler Brown didn't necessarily like fight his way onto the field. Antonio Williams got hurt and then Tyler Brown got onto the field and now you know when Antonio Williams has come back he's faded back and he hasn't really done as much so it's it, it's a little bit tougher profile I think that he's still like he, he deserves to be up there right next to Micaiah Lemon and and you know as a freshman that's that's rising that's looking really good I think if I had to re-rank today I'm probably putting Tyler Brown ahead for now but I don't think Makai is as far as as some people would drop him for me especially after hearing that he is breaking those year one zeros so I am probably going to side with you here and go with Tyler Brown for now. But, um, yeah, pretty happy to hear that Makai broke those uh, those thresholds. Didn't even have to fire a shot. Just gave no. up. Yeah, gave no. Up. I Yeah, on that one I did, yeah. Um, I, although, like, on the plus side for Makai Lemon, like, his high school quarterback was Malachi Nelson coming out. Like, that was his high yeah. school quarterback. So there could be a connection there. Um, again, we love the athlete. We'll see what he looks like at after this year i he's still getting some playing time too so he's just difficult where tyler brown like had to come in filling for antonio uh williams adam randall was out like bo collins is like on and off early but he's been riding up to the occasion plenty except for this last week but outside of that yeah. though he's been he's been the really last, productive for a true the freshman. last three weeks really though really 22 yards against wake 53 against miami six against nc state and that was without antonio williams too wasn't it yeah, but I think K. Clemens has been terrible. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah, think like from a market share perspective, I think he's been doing really well. Um, so I'm trying to pull up his stats from last week. Yeah, and I and I have seen some like amazing catches from Tyler Brown, especially like you know contested catches where he's kind of contorted and made a nice catch. But he freaking that's why I brought up EJ Williams. I don't know if you remember EJ Williams. He did the exact same thing. He was making all yeah. these circus catches and like looking awesome, and then like he just like faded into nothing. So it's like maybe I'm scarred from that. And I'm just like worried a little bit, but uh, yeah, he, he he deserves to be ranked higher though right now. I'd say these these Kenson Kemp's. Clemson. These Clemson QBs suck, dude. I just suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there a weird world right now where DJU is actually the better quarterback for Clemson? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like good for him for not going to the NFL. Not NFL. Excuse me. The uh, 
the um the what's the baseball league called? MLB. Thank you. <laughs> we're not going to MLB draft when they draft on the 20th and just stick around, but I want to play football because he's looked like really serviceable this year. So it all depends on what you're going to ask DJU to do. Like, I, I think that he, he can do certain things well. And when you put it all on his back, it, it kind of crumbles a little bit, but that's, that's a conversation for another day. Yeah. So Tyler Brown though, I do like his footwork, mostly in breaking stuff, more slot stuff, nothing too technical. Um, but again, as a true freshman, still very impressed with what he's done. I think he's yeah. second among true freshmen, at least in the power five and receiving yards this year. And this is, that's pretty solid for how big of a program he's with. So, yeah, I like him more than Makai. You know, I like when they come out firing early. You know, you don't have to feel worried about him like transitioning or not. Like he already at least showed you a few. Like he's done it a few times. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm in agreement with you there. But I, I still, if if an offer came in right now, someone sent me sending me Tyler Brown for Makai Lemon, I I'd still look at it and have to think about it a little bit. Can I ask you have Makai Lemon now in your rankings? I actually don't. I haven't. Like I said, it's been about four weeks since I've put okay, my yeah. my rankings. So, but he does. He definitely deserves to be dropped for more. I have I think I have him like him. In the teens. Okay, so I start out with him in the mid teens, and then I I've dropped him to wide receiver twenty seven. Yeah, that's probably yeah. That's probably. And where do you have Tyler Brown now? Nineteen. I have a nineteen. 19. You love you some Tyler Brown. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. <laughs> No. That'll be an interesting um, one to see play out. Yeah, yeah. Hey, let's head over to our game of the week, which we've been ter- we've been terrible at. We've been actually. I, I, I <laughs> it's I pretty much if we have time, <laughs> we, yeah. we we do it. And if we if it's been too long of an episode, we don't do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So game of the week for like the fourth time out of nine weeks. Uh, we're gonna talk about Ole Miss versus Texas A and M, right? So uh, quarterback for Ole Miss, Jackson Dart. Uh, Let's talk about him. I, I've heard some people give him some draft buzz, dude. And I know you're you were a fan of Jackson Dart, keeping the faith, and I don't think I was. Um, but I want to know where you're at right now with him for like draft capital wise. Yeah, I think I don't know. I, I he's definitely not making like a round one push or anything like that. But I think he's doing enough to gain the attention. You know, everybody coming into the year was so Spencer Sanders is going to take this job, and uh, who's the other guy they got back there? I can't even remember, but. Uh, uh, Walker Howard is there as well, and they were Luke, like, Luke Alt McCaskill. No, Luke Altmeyer. Luke Altmeyer. Sorry. Yeah, he he moved on or whatever though. But um, but yeah, yeah I mean, it, yeah, he actually I started him last week. He didn't even do too bad. League of record shout out. Actually, I think Austin beat me last week. Screw that shout out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Jackson Dart. I still like him a lot. I he's probably not taking like the the proper steps to become like a legitimate guy, but I still think he's a he's a day two type that could probably climb into that range. You know, I think Matt Corral was drafted like round three. I still think Jackson Dart has a few things, a few more things going for him than Corral did between like the size and you know his rushing ability this year has really come out as well. I'm not sure what he's at for at the on the year, but uh, he's been doing really well in that aspect, converting touchdowns as well, rushing and playing well against some tough tough opponents as well. So like I I. I still like him, um, but, you know, I don't think he's anywhere near, like, a first-round teller or anything. I'm fully expecting him to be a guy that's, like, a day three or round three pick, gets into a camp as a backup, and maybe he can climb his way if there's an injury in front of him or something like that. No, yeah, he's been great on the ground. Uh, 51 attempts for 454 yards and seven touchdowns and three fumbles. According to PFF, I know I don't know that calculates sack yards and stuff, but – He's been good on the, the one, ground. He he's been slow through the air the last couple of weeks against like mediocre opponents too, like Arkansas, only 153 yards of passing. Uh, Auburn 202, like Vanderbilt 240. But he was yeah, and I, he was fire the first five weeks. 
and I will say, like, this is a guy who like had you know a pretty a pretty high number of um, big time throws last year, pretty good percentage, and like it's up there again this year. But he has taken a step back a little bit from that, from raw numbers. He, he's playing a little bit safer, which I think is actually might be a good thing for his profile because I think that was a lot of thing last year was he's a gunslinger. He forces it into into double coverage too much or whatever, and his receivers were bailing him out a little bit. And but he doesn't have the same type of receivers, you know. Uh, so maybe that's kind of a reason that he's kind of taking the step back a little bit and playing a little bit safer, maybe trying to build that, that draft stock a little bit. No, I think you nailed it there too. Cause we, we did talk about his turnover issues, 11 interceptions last year, only yeah. four so far in the year this year. Um, Even though the, the yards per attempt, they're going up. So you like seeing that. I think he's like, I think he's a better prospect than Matt Corral was like coming out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Like if Matt Corral goes third, like he definitely has a chance to be like, a, I think Matt Corral is a fifth pick. rounder. Was he, am I thinking wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's my yeah. mistake. Well, well, look, I actually, I want to look that up. Sorry. That, that draft class had a lot of gunslinger, a lot of hero ball type guys. Yeah. Um. So I'll, I'll look that up, but I, I, I am in on Jackson Dart being a guy that should be talked about as like a mid day three guy. Like that, that's kind of where I'm at with him, but he's looked really good to start the season. Pick 94 was Matt Corral. So he was the third rounder. Third rounder. I finally got one. Pick. <laughs> I finally remembered one properly. <laughs> 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 I was thinking of Sam Howell. Um, um, what a terrible pick, dude! And the Patriots picked him up, and then he. Oh, well, sorry, yeah. I shouldn't talk. To be fair, to be fair, like he never really got his chance with the Panthers. I do think that he had some like kind of like moxie to him that like would have been interesting to see him get into a damn game and play, and play a little bit. But we never really got a chance. He kind of he kind of got the shitty end of the stick there a little bit. I think he has some off-field demons he was working through too. I don't want to yeah. talk about his mental health. I don't know this full story, but I, I don't think. Like the cars are just lined up, lined up for him, and that's always yeah. just unfortunate not to get an opportunity. On the other side of the ball here, Texas A&M, obviously Connor Wegman started up the season really well. I think you guys should all be considering him as one of the top Debbie quarterbacks going to next year. Very excited about him. But um, right now we've got Max Johnson. I don't think any of us are are too excited about him as a Debbie prospect. Do you have any other thoughts on Max Johnson? No, I just think I, I think Max Johnson's more fun than people think. People, well, first off, people aren't having fun because Max Johnson's not throwing to Evan. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why people are having fun. Yeah. Uh, he's, I, I don't think he like his throws are wild. Like I, I just like, like there could be a turnover or it could be a big play. Like I don't know. It's a little bit more erratic, a little bit more fun. Um, but yeah, he's he's not he's not a Debbie guy. That's for sure. He's got a brother on the team, Jake Johnson, for tight end. I love his size. I think he's good arm, but he's not, he's not, doesn't have touch, doesn't have accuracy, doesn't have ball placement. Um, I do want to talk about Connor Wegman for a quick second though, because you said you said in the most monotone voice, like, oh yeah, we're all we're all super excited for him. No one's excited <laughs> for him at our company, but we all acknowledge that he's probably the QB one in the class next year. And I think that's so funny. Like no one like no one's like, Yeah, dude, I got Connor Wegman. I'm I'm set next year. Like no one's acting that way. They're like, yeah, I got Connor Wegman. He's 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 okay. I think he's QB one. He's all right. Well, we talked about it a little bit. I think you know he's just you know out of sight, out of mind a little bit with Connor Wegman when he was going off a little bit like that. Like uh, I remember talking with Austin and, and I think Colin was in there too that we were talking. We were saying that we were pretty impressed with the way he started and that you know there's no reason he shouldn't be considered right up there with the with you know Drowler or whoever right now. There's just there's just a lack of excitement. But yeah. I, I'm. I agree. I agree. I think he's a yeah. he's QB one. Um, let's head over to the running back room, right? Uh, sticking with Texas A&M, Lev Moss was I want to say like RB twenty last year. Barely touched the field, like twenty seven attempts for one hundred and fourteen yards and one touchdown. Like nothing, nothing special. 
But this year he's been kind of taking over a little bit slower down the stretch here. But he's he's been four four games in a row over fifteen attempts has been okay. Uh, fifteen for ninety seven and one against Auburn. Seventeen for one hundred seven against Alaska. Sixteen for four nine against Alabama. Uh, versus Alaska, holy! What do you guys think these guys are playing? Man? <laughs> Arkansas, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying so hard not to sound sick and just breathe, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, against Alabama, that's you know everybody averages freaking three point one yards against Alabama for the most yeah, part. Yeah, yeah, and then fifteen for sixty two against Tennessee, which was awesome. Yeah, and I mean there is a there is a trend here where it looks like you know he was injured whether it was week one or whatever, and then came back you know first game back week three, and then four, five, six, seven. It's kind of been taken over the back, and then he had another injury that he made him miss last week again. But it seems like they want him to be the dude, right? Like it when he's healthy, he seems like the main rusher right now. Um. You know, I haven't really dove into the tape a lot okay. too much, but I yeah, did yeah. like I did like his profile last year. So he's a guy that I, I am eager to get a look at and see if there's anything there. The other guy that is kind of doing it a little bit in this backfield though is Ruben Owens, who's you know okay. had, had some pass catching moments, had some uh, has had some rushing moments. He's just making enough of an impact that makes me think um, that he'll, he'll be at least a part of this attack. And you know, going forward, I think that the role is going to continue to increase. So I'm kind of happy with with his involvement at least to this point. I, I've watched a little bit of Lev Moss. I don't I don't think he's a good runner. Like I think he's a very like run of the mill collegiate thumper. Like nothing special about his profile. Um so I'm interested from when you like watch it. You know, like how we talk about like Javante Barnes to last year, like that's how I kind of view Lev Young, like Lev Moss. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that type um, of uh... And then Ruben Owens, you know, I've never been a fan. And I'm not going to let you just slide off by saying he's been okay. Like four, like what, 18 attempts for 40 yards and one touchdown against South Carolina when Lev Moss was not playing this game. So I, I just I just think Ruben Owens is only a pass catcher at the next level, only a pass catcher. And at this level, he's a very lackluster running back. Again, true freshman. We'll, we'll see you next year. We'll see you next year. But, um, yeah, I, Lev Moss is interesting, but I don't, I don't think – no one's doing it yet, but I'd be really worried if people were gonna like artificially pump him up because he's a lead running back at Texas AM. Like, I don't know if he's I don't know if he's better than Isaiah Spiller. Like, I don't really think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't think so either. No. I'm just yeah. I, he's definitely a guy I got on the dock at Japan to watch a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> um let's let's talk about the other side. Oh miss, we were talking about Judkins. Um I think we can skip over him. You, we can skip over him, right? Yeah, we talked about him up there. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, so Judkins there, Quinchon Judkins has been great, well, great lately at least. Um, and then uh, Ulysses Bentley, right? So when when C2C first brought me on, I'm talking about like three years ago, dude. I dropped like positional top tens like for each class. I put mm-hmm. Bentley as my RB10 uh, for his class. And then I remember like, I want to say it was like probably a month or two after that, Austin and Felix were both like, I don't see what people see in Lucas Bentley. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> I was just like, I don't know, man. I needed to put someone's name at RB10. I was panicking. I think, I, I, I think Austin and Felix, and I think any, you hype up like anybody, and then like the next week, all of a sudden, they're like, yeah, I'm not seeing it with this guy, man. They're always like, it's always like making me feel so bad. But <laughs> they, yeah, they're, just, always, they're always down talking to guys we like, man. I, yeah, but I, I do agree. I do. Like, I, I like. <laughs> The better and the more I do this, like I watch it, I'm just like, you know, he's just really good at catching balls. I don't think there's anything else special about yeah. him. He's a, change of, he's a change of pace guy, but he has, yeah. I will say he has had a little, he has provided a little bit of a spark uh, when the guys that when when Ole Miss is needed a little bit this last couple of weeks. It's not like he's been like super productive or anything, but he's clearly number two right now, which has pushed a guy that you guys really like as a recruit in, in Kedrick Rascano, you know, 
not even seeing the field really. Like, how are you feeling about, you know, your, your early evaluations on him and how it's kind of going so far this year? Cause he was, he wasn't a guy that I was super in on, but I know a lot of you guys liked him. So I was watching him for that reason, but we're not seeing him a, a lot of them this year. Yeah. He was the guy we thought that he could do everything. Just we didn't weren't sure he was a lead at anything, but I'm not feeling good. Like he hasn't touched the field at all. I haven't even heard like whispers of him maybe touching the field. I haven't seen <laughs> yeah. much buzz of him in the off season. He's just like, He's such a background character that I'm worried that that's all he'll ever be. So I, I am not like I'm worried. I haven't been shopping him out as much as I should, but I think I will be selling him for maybe a little bit more than bread breadcrumbs, a little bit more. Yeah. Wide receivers. Let's talk some wide receivers. Yeah, I mean, uh, not like a not like a huge star-studded group here. Obviously, we've got Evan Stewart, who Max Johnson refuses to use the way they want him to be used. But again, a guy who's also been dealing with a little bit of injury as well. And he's had he's been battling an ankle. I want to say almost all all year. I I believe he's playing through it. And I know that there's not a lot of talk on it. But I remember he, he um, injured it early um, in the spring game, and then he even I think he missed a game this year as well. Was one or two games, if I'm not mistaken. So I think he's battling through a little bit of something. Um, but again, this guy's probably a locked in like top five Debbie wide receiver. I would say is it easy that way for you as well. He is, dude. Let me just we're not debating this. I just want to know because it's kind of the debate, at least now in the community. Luther Burden or Evan Stewart? Like that's kind of like the one for this class, I think. I've always been Luther Burden for like I've I've maintained that throughout the okay. entire thing, you know. But they are right next to each other. I still I I see like, you know, like I don't even know how to explain it. Like I see DJ Moore in in Luther Burden, and I see like Garrett Wilson in Everton Stewart. I see them both as like really good, really good wide receivers going forward. I like that. I like that. Yeah. And and just for anyone listening, I don't think me and I don't think Corey either. We'll have an issue if you have either one of those guys flipped as no. one and two. I think we're both like pretty good it's, with that. It's almost like who you like more stylistically. You like your wide receivers to be more like traditional, like Evans, or you like those like yak Debo types that can do a little bit more. Like that's really what you like there. They're both going to be good, I think. Yeah, honestly, too. Like once once our rookie drafts come around, like you know, two years from now or three years from now or whatever. Um, it's it's gonna be like landing spot. We're gonna be like, all right, well, Evan Stewart went with Patrick Mahomes and Luther Burton yeah, yeah. with Mac Jones. Like, let me get some Evan Stewart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I love Evan Stewart. Not really getting a lot of run here. I'm not really looking forward to either. And he didn't miss a, a game with an ankle injury. So I, maybe he might be like I want to say injury prone, but like a guy that's always gonna be like on the list and you're kind of worried about. Yeah. Ankles are just always a, a bitch too, especially when they happen early. You know, you see guys just have to battle through that like freaking all year until it really gets healthy. Yeah, let's go over to Anaya Smith. Anaya Smith, the running back converted wide receiver, had some off-field issues. I'm not going to go into detail on that, but has some off-field stuff that I haven't heard about for over years. So it's it's might be water under the bridge, but it's something that teams would consider. He's been look he's been looking great lately, and he's been looking good on and off, like honestly, for years. It's been very yeah, inconsistent, yeah. but like he's been he's been turning it on, and he definitely has like a. He's a very good athlete. His movement ability, very good. Yeah, and then off that movement ability, you know, like I, I said, I had, a, I had a, a comparison coming in here. Like, I do think that he's, I don't know if he's to this level of athleticism, but I think he's kind of like a store brand or like a, a discount store brand Kadarius Tony in the sense that I think he can be, he's using a lot of the same ways. He does impress me down the field a little bit sometimes, but 
I think, you know, he's a guy that, you know, for like what his second season, he was like a running back, right? Like he, he was, he was like taking snaps behind Isaiah Spiller. I believe I, if, I, if I'm remembering that correctly, but he played really well as a, and he moved on to like a full-time wide receiver and he's done pretty well that way, but he, it, it is a lot more like gadgety stuff a lot of the time. Um, and I do think that's kind of like his projection for the next level. I don't, I don't see this guy like lining up in the slot and being like um, a three level threat. I see this guy as more like around your line of scrimmage, short to intermediate, and a guy that maybe you can throw in the backfield as well, and maybe you can give him a carry, just kind of spice up your offense a little bit like that. I think he's an NFL player. I think he's going to be playing on Sundays, but I think I still think he's a day three pick. Yeah, so he did get 49 rushing attempts in 2020 with 293 yards and four touchdowns, two two uh, two fumbles. But he was electric, though. I think you're right, though. He He's he's a gadget guy, and this class has so many yeah. good gadget guys. Elijah Badger, who mean you were both fans of. Stop no, it. Not... <laughs> he's, not, he's not a gadget. He's not a gadget guy. Yes, he is. Yes, he <laughs> no, is. No, he's, he's not. Badger is not a gadget guy. He is. Stop it. I, I'll revisit it. We'll see. But I, I... we'll see. You want to watch more Badger team? Okay, fine. I'll watch more, and then like little inward slants, <laughs> little shallow crossers. But anyway, um, Jared Brown, Malachi Corley, Anaya Smith. Maybe Elijah Badger, depending on the day. Um, a lot of good gadget guys coming out. Love the athleticism. I don't know. He's like a fifth-year guy. Like, I, I think he gets drafted. I don't know if there's anything yeah. special about him. And I mean, even even on the athleticism, like I like the movement skills, but I don't know if he's like a four-three guy or anything like that. Like I don't think he's like elite athleticism for like his size or anything like that. Like I think no, he's I'm just more good. like like good like lateral movement. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. fine. Yeah, quick quickness. You know, like in, in space and stuff like that. So yeah. Um, that dude that popped off week one, something Thomas. I can't remember his name. Noah Thomas. I was actually, I was actually going to wonder. No, he hasn't been. I know he's been dealing with a little bit of injury. I was actually going to bring him up a little bit too, just because he is what six foot six, two hundred thirty pounds, um, and he has a good athletic profile. I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but I know he's like a sub eleven second hundred meter guy. So oh, like, there is a profile there that's very flat. He's a skinny, but... lanky guy. He's two hundred flat. Yeah. Yeah, so he's uh, so he he is an interesting guy that I think you know keep an eye on him anyways. But he hasn't been doing much lately. Um, maybe there'll be room for him to kind of you know grow that grow that role a little bit more going next year. But again, a guy that's uh, not going to have a lot of early production on his profile. Okay, hey, uh, let's talk. Let's talk about Chris Marshall. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about Ole Miss now. Let's go over to uh, Trey Harris, dude. I haven't done a study for him, and we didn't mention him for the Senior Bowl. I think we probably should, but. Yeah, he's um, he's a guy that I have kind of like on my tentative list as a guy. You know, he's kind of been blowing up a little bit in this offense. And very efficient. He's converting a lot of his catches into touchdowns. Some of I remember he had that three touchdown game against a very bad team. I can't remember what team it was. Um, and then again, another guy dealing with a little bit of injuries. That whole wide receiver core like just can't freaking be healthy. And that's why I even wrote here: Is there anybody on Ole Miss that we'd like in this wide receiver core? Because I mean, um, Zachary Franklin coming over from UTSA, he's dealt with injury like all year. Had like barely took part in center practice. Um, um, has barely taken part in practice. He's just been healthy over like the last three weeks now. And I want to give that some leniency for, for not seeing a lot of production, but the transition just is not happening the same way that a lot of people had hoped for him coming into USA. So, uh, or coming into Ole Miss from UTSA. So it's, I'm not as hopeful for him being like, kind of like anything here. Um, I would say Trey Harris is the only guy that I'm kind of interested in. Um, Jalen, uh, Jalen Watkins, I believe it may be an interesting slot guy at the next level, but there is a guy here. That is coming back 
that we were a lot bigger on maybe about two years ago. You want to talk about your guy here that's making a return to this uh, wide receiver core? I don't know if I want to call him my guy, but I, <laughs> I did some late Too late. Digging. I've already done it. I've already done it. You're attached. <laughs> I've done some late night digging a couple nights ago. Uh, I tweeted about him. I think I brought him. No, I don't think I brought him up ever since. Anyway, Deion Smith, the wide receiver nine from, 20, I want to say the 2020s recruitment class, refreshment class. <sighs> That's a long time. Uh, had a huge game in Central Michigan. I think he had like 200 yards and like three touchdowns. I'm like, That's true freshman. And then, uh, Along with Malik Neighbors, like he was a part of that. Malik Neighbors, Brian Thomas, uh, Chris Hilton, like those four guys. Yep. He was going to transfer, and then there was academic issues. He couldn't even transfer. Uh, and then he fell off the face of the earth. No one knew what happened to him, including me. I didn't know either. Like, I couldn't keep tabs him. But I found out that he went to JUCO last year. He went into JUCO, went to community college. He's been averaging 130 yards a game. He's already visited Ole Miss three times. His last time being this past weekend, he's visited Ole Miss. He's pretty, like, locked in. It seems to be super committed to going to Ole Miss next year. He's already in the JUCO portal. Hasn't fully committed yet, though. And he has another visit coming up. And I don't know with who. It's on 24-7 Sports, and I wasn't going to get by the paywall. But hmm. but outside of that visit, he's – for some reason, dude, I want to guess it, it's 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 Colorado. I don't know who it is. But for some reason, I want to say he's visiting Colorado. I just want to guess that. But um, anyway, he's going to Ole Miss. Ole Miss has been very good at getting the transfer portal guys uh, involved. Trey Harris, like, uh, yeah. Anyway, so so Deion Smith coming back, going to Ole Miss could be exciting. Yeah, and I'm actually kind of surprised that we haven't heard anything. You know, even like Juco guys, like like Malik Benson, we heard a ton of like before he went into like before Alabama and stuff like that. Like, I'm surprised for a guy who is averaging as much as he averaged for a guy who had that freshman breakout that we haven't heard much about him. And I mean, for me personally, like this guy is going to fall into a bucket that's like like Destin Hill, the guy who returned to Florida State after you know disappearing off the face of the earth as well. Another high ranking recruit in his class, but they're going to fall into that bucket that like. I'm not going to bother paying attention to them that much until they show me a reason to. You know what I mean? Like, they got to start putting up numbers. They gotta, I'm not going to jack them up my rankings until you guys start drafting them now or anything like that. They got to show me that, that they deserve to be ranked again. You know, kind of buy me back after being gone for so long. I think he's the perfect late-round stash. Like, I mean, like... Yeah, people were saying that about Destin Hill this year, too. And now, look, he isn't No, that was weird because I don't even know if he was playing football. At least I know Deion Smith is playing football. Yeah, and playing well, true. and and he's at least been on the field and showed us a little bit. Yeah, like yeah, like yeah. On, as a freshman and throughout JUCO as well. So. so I'm just saying, like pick pick ten in your supplementals and and later, like I think I would, I'd probably go for him in that range yeah. a little bit after. Probably that. a throwaway pick, anyways. Really. Yeah, you're not gonna feel bad about that investment working out. So you'll be you'll be okay. You know, just throwing it away. We'll be, All right, well, you know, I tried. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, going back to Trey Harris though, real quick. Do you know what his contested catch rate is this year? I don't know. 20%, dude. He's three for 14. What was it previously since you got it pulled up? Was he good at it before? Uh, 16 for 34 for a little less than 50%, and then 11 for 18 before that, 61% his sophomore year. So he's, he's at, never been the he's never LA been Tech. the hugest part of his game, I guess, by the sounds. No, but it's pretty bad. I don't know. Like, I, I don't I don't like fault guys for being less than 50. I certainly don't, but being like less than like 30, 35, like, I think that's that's an issue. Yeah, and it, he's actually smaller than I expected. For some reason, I thought he was like a 6'3", 20 guy. 6'2", 205. He's actually a little I, bit. I thought, I thought he was like, when he was at Virginia, or not Virginia, excuse me, when he was at LA Tech, I thought he was like 5'8", 160. I don't know why. I thought he was really? like one of those yeah, yeah, just, yeah, I don't <laughs> I Nobody knows his size. We're not sure. So 
have you have you like watched them at all or just kind of like seen them blow up when i when we talked about our um uh possible transfer portal episode earlier in the offseason we we're talking about g5 guys this was a guy that did pop a little bit uh j- basically just highlight package watching so like i didn't you know pay attention to like the the bag just get captured or whatever but i also did see an opening here at at Ole miss so i was like maybe there's something here where we should kind of pay attention to the guy but other than that i haven't looked much at him at all yeah i haven't i can't say i've done a full study for him to have any real informed opinion so i, I but he's been on my list I, this is our game of the week so i'll probably be watching it and i'll probably actually will come back with some actual notes on him i mean he's got some like nice stats like really popping like three games over 100 yards he's averaging 19.9 yards per reception like this yards per run this year too 3.65 2.36 last year he's been two above two his whole career that's yeah. pretty good the Jamari Thrash of the SEC. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we didn't label him either for the whole senior bowl thing. I think he probably should. So anyway, I, I'm interested. I really am interested. I haven't really dove in. I don't really have a real opinion. I don't know. I have him in my rankings, dude. No, I don't know. I might have him way back at the bottom, but that's about it. I don't even have him in my rankings. So that seems really disingenuous. I might as well throw him in my 50s for now. Hmm. <laughs> Anyway, uh, dude, I have, I have nothing left for this game. Do you have anything else? I got nothing left, man. Looking forward to watching it. Yeah. Hey, guys, that wraps it up. So join us next week from Mike and from Corey. Good night and good luck. Good luck.